0: This is an explicit podcast. Welcome to Notorious AOS, a new Age of Sigma podcast coming to you from New Zealand. I am your host, Big Sean, and I'm joined by my co-host, Little Sean. How's it going, mate? How's it going? Good, mate. Good. So, given this is the first show that we're doing, and possibly the last based on my introduction, um, I thought it would be a good idea to give you guys out there a background as to who we are and what we're about. So, I am Big Sean. Uh, I used to play Age of Sigma as as a kid, like many people did. I uh, started around the age of sort of or Warhammer Fantasy Battle as it was back in the day. Started around the age of sort of 10, 12. Probably played all the rules wrong at the time, but got my models out with my mates and had a fun time. Uh Stopped in my sort of mid-teenage years to chase girls, play sports and um, socialize and party. Uh, came back to the game uh, just as the end times was happening. Uh was a bit more established in life and remembered that I had a lot of fun playing Warhammer. However, coming back during the end times was, uh, not the best time to start, given the sort of state of the scene at the time. Um, however, played open play Aegis Sigma for six months or a year, and I feel like the player base was reward, rewarded with the General's Handbook. Um, ever since then in New Zealand, the General's Handbook, well, sorry, ever since the General's Handbook was released, the Aegis Sigma scene in New Zealand has just been growing and going from strength to strength. We have an active tournament community. Uh, we have masters. Uh, we have players traveling from town and cities to attend others. And I've met some pretty awesome and amazing people along the way who, like myself, like to roll dice, talk some shit at the table and then have some beers afterwards. Um, the social aspect is really quite awesome. Uh, so I started playing Empire when Age of Sigma came out, uh, not long after. Uh, the Order Battletome uh, was released where they sort of split up all the armies, um, sort, of, sort of writing on the wall that my beloved empire wouldn't be what I wanted them to be. Uh, so I went on to the Poster Boys, uh, always been a big fan of the, you know, Paladins and, and people that fight for the light and so on and so forth. So there's always a big fan of the whole Paladin look and the fighting for the light for the greater good against the demons. Um, and generally just the forces of evil. So Stormcast really stood out to me, um, and it's a great faction. I've very much enjoyed it. Um, I very much like versatility in my armies, so if I want an army that has ranged units, I have that with Stormcast. Um, if I want a unit a unit that can fight in combat, I have it with Stormcast, and apparently with AOS 2, I can now dip into the hero phase a bit more with magic, uh, which is fantastic. Big fan of my poster boys. A uh, big fan of being able to play the sort of game in the style of army that I like. Uh, that's fantastic. So that's what drew me to Stormcast. Um, as for the tournament scene, um, I did relatively well last year, won a couple of events, um, wasn't able to attend Masters because I was overseas during Masters, finished the rankings, I believe second or third in New Zealand. Um, currently, I believe I'm fifth or sixth. Um, out of the 60-odd players that we do have on the rankings, uh, but we've had a few events recently uh we got one more coming up next weekend which we'll talk about a little later in the show uh so that's it from me for now um little sean how about you just give us an overview as to, to who you are and you know your background uh
1: yeah so um i'm uh, i'm little sean um i kind of kind of got that name unfortunately because sean's about fucking seven feet tall um I got back into Warhammer when I was 16, maybe, and um, <clears throat> sort of stopped for about the same reason. Started uh, wanting to party and into girls and stuff rather than um, push toy soldiers around the, around the board. Um, but then I picked it back up a little bit later, a few years later, just after just after the GHB GHB one dropped. Uh, I saw I saw the demons, corn demons. That were they were my first, my first love. They were pretty fucked up. So sort of what I was into. I wasn't too much into the boys in the shiny armor. I wanted something, um, something a little bit twisted. Uh, so I've been playing pretty much purely corn for the last two years in New Zealand. And, um, I've done, done pretty well so far, I think. And normally running the murder host to the, to tournaments. Um, I think. Last year I ended up third, uh, third in New Zealand just before Masters, um, and yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty pumped with that, that turnout. Yeah, you did well, and then at Masters itself, you placed on what was it, third as well? Yeah, yeah, third at third at Masters. So didn't quite take it home, but I was pretty, yeah, I was pretty happy with third place.
0: Well, that's. That's what happens when the French come to town, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> 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 Cheers, Julian. <laughs> Stay away from iOS this year, mate. Uh, oh, that's all right. So that's a brief overview of, of us as, as players and our sort of journey into um, from Warhammer Fantasy Battle into Age of Sigma. Uh, so we thought we'd just quickly cover off sort of the intent of the podcast and what we sort of want to achieve, what we want to talk about. Uh, just so you as a listener base know what to expect, um, and, and we can go from there. So, as sort of mentioned at the start, we're both from New Zealand. Uh, started this podcast with the intent to sort of spotlight New Zealand a bit more as Age of Sigma is, is growing rapidly. And with AOS 2 coming out, it seems like a sort of perfect time to jump on that podcast bandwagon, I guess you'd say. Um, we will be covering match play. Um, we are both match play players. Uh, nothing wrong with sort of narrative or, or open play, but our hobby is just in the match play sort of focus area. Um, we'll look to cover local events, spotlight local events uh, around New Zealand. Um, look to maybe do a pre and post show, depending on schedules, uh, definitely a post show, maybe a pre-show if we can put it in. Uh, we'll get people on from those events from time to time to talk about the LS, talk about the experience, talk about how it went, so on and so forth. Uh, we'll also look to cover some books when they come out just you know if they sort of tickle our fancy um and if we think we know a few things that qualifies us to sort of talk about them talk about them on the internet um so the release schedule will be pretty infrequent uh some months you may have two to three shows if there's a couple of events on or some big hype or ios 2 for example um other months there might be no shows there might be one show uh so we'll Generally focus it towards the match place and REOs, um and the events in New Zealand. And we'll try to get guests on time to time. In saying that, we actually had an event uh, that we're going to cover now called Vanguard in the Hut uh, that was run by myself yesterday. Uh, it was a four-round, 1250-point, one-day event. Uh, we had 18 players in the end, so it's a bit of odd numbers. Uh, so as in four rounds, had to have four rounds to have a natural winner. Uh, which we did in the end, which was really awesome. Uh, 1250 points, which is something a little bit different. Uh, decided on 1000, then people were saying, Oh, I want to bring my big monsters. You know, can we, can we maybe look at 1250? So we did. We put it to 1250. Uh, originally think, started off, of, sorry.
1: I think it was a good points value at the end. I think it was just, uh, pushing for time. Some people, but, um, it, it turned out pretty well, really, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. exactly.
0: So we started off with 90 minute rounds um, and it came pretty obvious to me after the first 20-30 minutes that I don't think people were going to finish their games in 90 minutes. Um, and I'm a big advocate for players getting through all their turns, um, or at least the sort of turn four and five. I don't want people to win. Um, I'm not calling it out as an intentional slow play or anything of the sort. I play Stormcast an army that sort of progressively wins over the course of the game. It's not an army like Zinch where I can blow you off the board and turn one or two and win the game like that. Uh, So I generally need sort of four to five turns to win a game. So obviously there's a personal bias there for me. Uh, But I also believe that players, you know, need to field responsibility and actively work together to get through, you know, five games to get to a a fair and natural conclusion with allowing roughly equal amount of time between players to play the game as well. So realizing that 90 minutes seemed to be a bit of a push um, at 12.50 for some players, uh, we I was able to organize with the hall because um, we were using a school hall um, to, you know, if we could keep it open a little longer, um, and they agreed to that. So we were able to push the rounds out to an hour 45. In saying that, we only had, I think, about five or six games um, not finish after five turns. Um, so it was a pretty good result in the end. Um, and most players sort of cottoned on that they needed to move faster needed to think about deployment, uh, which I think is a, just a general criticism of a lot of players. Um, they're too busy trying to react to what their appointment's doing and what their opponent's doing sorry, during deployment. And then not, and they're taking their eye off the ball and sort of about their own game plan. Uh, they're too react you know, they're too typically reacting to what's going on and they're not worrying about themselves and as soon as your opponent starts making you react to what they're doing instead of you playing your own game, you're already starting to sort of lose it. Um so the tournament ran smoothly. Uh as I said eighteen players in the end, um four rounds, twelve fifty points. I uh, had a good mixture of armies turn up. I had a couple of new guys as well, which was really cool. Um, and quite a lot of sort of old regular faces, so there's a bit of there's a bit of demand for one day events in our area. Uh, people find them, you know, easy to commit to. Uh, they're cheap, you know, you don't have to travel or arrange accommodation um, for the weekend, and they're pretty, um, they're pretty, pretty cheap on the time as well, because you sort of turn up between sort of eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, and then you're done by sort of between four and five. Um, after the event, we went and got some beers, which is always good fun. It's the best it's, part, isn't it? It's the best part. That's the whole know.
1: reason to travel, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's, it's the bears <laughs> and bands afterwards. Say eh? like, oh Nick, I can't believe you rolled this, or you know, this motherfucker. Had I, you know, like <laughs> well, there was Lee who was taking on some sort of one one scaven hero, was tree lord, ancient, and he couldn't tell him over four turns, and it before yeah. So, like, yeah. I can't remember what the hero was called. I was offer a bit more detail into that, but I think um. It,
1: what, Seth got curse of years twice in a row, didn't he? Double turn and yeah. curse of years twice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it was, um, it was a modified duality of death that we were playing, um, cause we were playing on four way four boards and, uh, Seth, who was running, I believe just a sort of mixed destruction with two Thunder came up against a player, Rex, who was running death. Um, and I saw the first turn, which was pretty much Seth pushing his Thunder Tusks forward. And, uh, six mortal wounds in off the mortise engine uh, twice. Um and Rex was sitting there looking a bit shaky and then by the next time I came back to the table, um, Rex had, had his turn and then won the double turn. And had the cursey air from the <laughs> dust pretty immediately. So that that game was was over in about twenty five minutes. Um so, you know, there's sort of at these lower points there seems to be big swings in how long games go. Um some people have lots of bodies and they take quite a lot of time. Others sort of put all their eggs in one basket with with big monsters. Uh, it's a magma dragon flying around yesterday, for example. Um, and you know, if that combo works or if that one model can do what it's supposed to do, then um, then it's great. But if that model fails or it's taken off quickly, then the game sort of just almost ends. Um, however, I didn't play in the tournament. I was TO in it, so I did scoring. Uh, I had no rules questions, which is pretty common with Age of Sigma uh the events sort of run themselves, you're more there just to tell people to uh hurry up and get your score sheets and make sure you put your you know best paint and best sports on there and so on and so forth. Uh however little Sean um was able to play in the event. Um yeah. and he's just gonna through some of his games and his lists and Wade took his list and, and what it does or what it doesn't do.
1: Yeah, so um uh me myself and uh Three of the other Palmy boys all uh, travelled down to Wellington for for Sean's event.
0: Um, for our international listeners, Palmy is is a town, Palmerston North. It's about an hour and a half, two hours outside of Wellington, which is uh, where I'm based and where we had the event. Um, sorry, there, mate. I just wanted to interrupt because yeah. people might go, "What the fuck's a Palmy boy?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, the it's it's person that sort of comes out for AOS events and then <laughs> and then goes back in their, their
1: cage. <laughs> 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 no, no. But yeah, sorry, mate. Yeah, so um, uh, start of start of the Vanguard event, I was sitting um up the top of the um the New Zealand rankings at the time, and um I had a, a brand new player, uh, Jax decided to uh, to grudge me for the first game with his iron draws, so that was um that was really cool to get to play somebody new, um and it was duality of death. So my list was a vermin lord deceiver, a blood secrator, a blood stoker, ten blood warriors, ten marauders, ten marauders, and then six skyfires. Uh, so I, I was I was relatively confident going into this, but um, yeah, uh, iron Draws iron Draw's absolutely rolled over top of me. So that was um uh, that that was awesome. To get um to get pumped by iron draws out of the blue, um, it, it was it was a really good game. Uh, Jax double turned me going into the second um, with holding both objectives, so he scored four points off the dot on the second. Um, then I failed a um a six inch charge with the deceiver to take the objective back, and from that point onwards, I sort of sort of thought it was probably in the bag here for Jacks. Um, and yeah, it was. He, he really walked away with it. He ended up tabling me on that first game. So, um, give, give it up to Jax for really, um, for really showing me how it's done. Um, yeah, from, from what I saw,
0: just sort of walking around and please jump in and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but he sort of, um, deployed his more crusher sort of opposite, um, say to left objective and sort of left them out there by himself on an island and then deployed the rest of his army on sort of one side. Um, almost saying, like, I dare you to sort of come at the more Crusher or, or Eva, or was, was that about right? He sort yeah, of seemed to it, put his heroes in, sort of overload one flank and then just put his, his biggest, baddest hero on the other side.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he did. When we were deploying, he, um, he put that down fairly early. So I saw it and I went, cool. I'm not interested at in that side. I'm going to take the other side. Um, he gave me first turn and I moved my Bloodstoker. Onto the, uh, onto the objective and tried to screen it off with the Marauders, but they didn't quite run far enough to um, to fully block him. Um, and Jack's come through with a, a Gargant, actually, and swung over top of the Marauders and um, took my Bloodstoker off. So that means he pulled up that objective um, and, and took my hero off, which is pretty key. Um, you, you sort of need to keep that hero on there and keep scoring, which is what his Megaboss did. Um, so Yeah, yeah. It, he got a pretty meaty charge to get in there, didn't he? Yeah, I think it was like a 10-inch charge or, or something by the time he squiggled through all his Ard boys and around the mystical terrain. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it really caught caught me off guard. Um, well, to reach as well is probably something that you forget about from time to time. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's three-inch reaches it, on that club.
0: Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me considering he's a big fuck-off giant. <laughs> you know, yeah, and just yeah. Swing it around the club at people. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So that was yeah. that, and that was
0: your awesome deceiver, guy. sort of. And, and what was the idea of your deceiver? Because it? Uh, it looked like you're sort of holding him back late game, maybe to just uh, like pop off
1: a hero or, or, or do something there. But um, what did you use him for? Uh so um, sort of, I had a bunch of bits and pieces lying around at home. Decided not to take the corn for once. Um, and uh, I've I've had him sitting in my cupboard, looking at me, saying, "Play me." So um. I think he's an awesome model, especially in the late game. And um, when there's less bodies on the table, uh, less chaff or hammer units to walk around and, and take him off. Cause he's, he's very squishy in combat. Um, but he's pretty difficult to take out from shooting. He's easy to keep out of range from, uh, from the magic phase. Um, so he, he pretty much, he did his work from the third turn or the fourth, fourth turn onwards. Um so yeah, I sort of sat him at the back of the board and threw the threw the Doomstar around. Does D6 damage against um ten or more models in a unit. Um so that was pretty it's pretty handy, pretty tasty. Um but yeah, that game I really needed him to get in in that second turn. Um so the spell lets me set him up within six inches of an enemy model. Um and I set him up within six inches of that gargant and rolled a five and I went, Oh, this is not good. I'm in a lot of trouble here. Um, the blood scrape is pretty pretty naff and duality since I kind of want him to just stand there and he's too slow to get onto that objective first turn, so yeah. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. you, you want to keep him away because obviously he's giving the army buffs and stuff,
1: or most of the army buffs. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's pretty key to, especially a Corn list, yeah. but e- even that list, just keeping my chaff from um, running away and extra attack here and there is good.
0: And he's pretty durable as far as the corn hero goes as well, because he's got a, what's
1: it, a three-up save? Yeah, three-up base. It's it's I awesome. Know. Yeah. So two-up and cover. Hashtag it's... Stormcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's uh, hitting on threes and wounding on threes too, so maybe he has Stormcast in disguise. Oh, well, we
0: all know Sigma is actually just, you know, a chaos god. <laughs> um, considering he just, you know, makes... Um, Makes his armies out of his will and so on. So he's effectively a chaos god. He's just fucking way cooler than a chaos god. <laughs> um, you're right. Anywho, so, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, so Jux mission messaged me before the event, uh, brand new player to the tournament scene in New Zealand. Um, I don't know much about him. So if you're listening Jax, and, um, I, I tell lies and I apologize for that, mate. Um, but he messaged me before the event and said, um, I am new to tournaments. Um, but I'm really keen on my Sigma. Um, I wanna, I wanna play the best and I wanna, um, get my poo pushed in or I wanna come out swinging and, and have a good fight, you know? And I think playing the sort of best players around, uh, gives me the opportunity to learn, um, at an accelerated rate. Um, and he said, who's the best guy around? And I said, oh, Sean Tubman is. And he turns around and said, oh, yeah, oh, well, I'll oh, grudge him. Can we do that? Can, does he have to accept what is, what happens from here? So I just sort of. Message Sean and Sean said, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." Um, so I thought that was a wicked attitude coming to an event, uh, playing the, the highest ranked person in that event, um, and actively seeking out that challenge and not just sort of going, "Oh no, I'm playing so and so," and sort of mentally losing the game before it's even started. So, um, so I think he did. I think he did great. Um, so good on him, and I hope that he comes to more events and I hope to see him around a bit more often. So, yeah. So in saying that. Yeah, the, the 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 young buck came and challenged the old man and kicked you in the nuts and put you down to the bottom table. Oh, he smashed me right! So I think I was on table.
1: <laughs> I think I was on the bottom table at that stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so how did game two go? Only up from here, right? Yeah. So, on um, game two I played Kyle with his dispossessed, and um, Kyle had a hundred hundred models on the table. So, um, I was looking at it. No, we we're a little bit pressed for time, but such a bad man. Um, then he pushed him around quick as I think we got done 30 minutes, 45 minutes before everybody else. That was that was awesome. Um, and that was on Border War. We played Border War, so um, I had fewer battle for the pass, uh, battle for the pass. Yeah, that one, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, more or less the same thing. We, um,
0: in saying that, we did turn the setup around because we had board edge to board edge. Games. Um, so instead of sort of trying to play horizontally, we just played up and down the board like you would for, uh, for Border War. So that's pretty fair enough to be cool with
1: that you call it that. Uh So yeah, um, I had fewer drops than Kyle, so I'd never played Dispossessed before. I didn't have a clue what they did, other than um, I heard about the, the Iron Drakes with the, with the artifact on the Warden King, I think it was. Um, mm. Picking them up and and Alpha Striking them around the board, um, which he had. He had that set up going. I think he had 10 Iron Drakes and a Warden King. So I was a little bit nervous about that, so I, I sort of bubbled all my stuff and gave him first turn. And um, turns out those Dwarfs can um, just add four inches to their to their run rolls, so they go, they always go eight. So he made, yeah, yeah. He made it straight onto those objectives, and I'm going, ah, oh, whoops, <laughs> there's, uh, there's 60 Dwarfs sitting on these objectives. Made a bit of a mistake here, um, but fortunately he failed mystical on the um, on the iron drakes, so he, he just left them in place, which was um, a bit of a saving grace for me. He didn't manage to shoot off a lot in that first turn. He had a, an organ gun and um, some thunderers as well, and I think they put three wounds on my um, blood secrator, which yeah, which was a bit scary at the start. I said no. Oh, it's first turn, and he's already this injured uh, he's probably going to go down next turn. Um, so I took over my. So, was turn. it with the iron? Yeah, it was with the organ gun, I think. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, the iron drakes failed mystical, so they were just sitting there doing nothing. Um, yeah, because that
0: unit is pretty, pretty, pretty awesome when it gets close. Yeah. Um, it's just the whole getting close. And of course, it suffers from sort of old world hammer where, um, the infantry has one wound, so. Every time you're doing a wound, just pulling a model off and you're like, Yes, yeah,
1: you know yeah. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, that that really come into play, um that the single wound dwarfs, they really they really felt it. Um when I took my turn and moved the Blood Warriors up the board. I whipped them and I got a I got a twelve inch charge into his forty block of warriors. The Blood Warriors. Um, so I piled them in and I think I killed 18, 18 dwarfs. Um just on their activation alone. And he turned around and slapped them back. I think he killed two or three, and I killed another few dwarfs off them dying. So that was great, um, but not knowing their, um, their their battle shock, they got a, a quirky little battle shot um, thing. So on a one, two, three, they no models flee from the unit. Um, yeah. Four, five, six, they take it's it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know about that, and he he went and rolled up a three, and I go, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> There's still there's still <laughs> twenty plus on here and I'm not scoring anything. So I think I had yeah. one point going into um going into turn two. Um and yeah, then he won he won priority. Um I'd managed to shoot off his Warden King on turn one with the Skyfires, so he couldn't teleport those iron drakes around because that's what I was quite worried about at the start. Um And then yeah, the the dwarfs kind of fell down from there. After taking such a big hit to their, his big blob of warriors and, um, losing all his mobility. And, um, yeah, the the game kind of run away from him with Skyfires just doing what Skyfires do in the combat phase, which is, is pretty disgusting. Um, and the Deceiver was really having a good time at the back of the board with all his shooting units, um, that aren't good at, aren't good in combat. So not good enough to charge me, but they can't shoot me hitting on sixes. or fives, I think, on the um, in the case of the Iron Drakes, um, so that yeah, that was given a bit of hell back there. I think by the end of the game, turn four or turn five, um, I more or less rolled over the the majority of his army, and um, he was down to a Rune Lord at the end. I think I got the table, um, come turn five. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was a that was a really good game. Really got me going at the start when I. I thought I, I might have screwed myself from the start by not taking those easy five points. Um,
0: you mean by giving him the turn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, like, dwarfs are an army you see on sort of any regular circuit in and, and any part of the world, from what I understand. Um, it's probably someone sitting in fucking Scandinavia at the moment going, you motherfucker, all we play is dwarfs, you know? <laughs> like They're real current meta. But yeah, sorry. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of quirky rules in there that you wouldn't you wouldn't know about. Um, so I've I've played against horse once before myself, and it was uh, sort of I think it was an open play. Um, and I remember sort of the crux of the army was that it was surprisingly good at combat, and then especially the Iron Drakes were support surprisingly good at range. Um, but they suffer from the issue that everything is quite a short range, um, and they're only sort of one wound models, and they also um, don't move very fast, sort of. They do have that sort of march rule where they can just instantly go eight inches as opposed to having to roll for that run. Um, and then that battle shock rule was quite frustrating as well, which is quite cool because it's quite a sort of narrative sort of rule that, so it's really awesome. So, yeah, you come up against the challenger, you lose on table one, game one, you go down to the bottom table, you play Kyle, it gives you a pity win. Um, <laughs> where, where are you now for, for table? For,
1: game through so I think by this stage I was about in the middle of the tables somewhere um, playing another one of the Palmy guys um Cameron with his uh, his seraphon with his shadow strike, his shadow strike list um so I play him oh yeah you're quite aren't you yeah I play him quite regularly um, in Palmy and I sort of know knew how to deploy against his list um, the marauders are pretty pretty awesome for this being so cheap. I just bubbled my whole army until he dropped the um, until he dropped the rippers. Um, he had a lot of shooting. He had a lot of shooting in that list, and um, the velocidon really messed up the um, the skyfires. I think um, I think he took off two in one turn, and then the other four in the other turn from the shooting. Um, just being three damage apiece on the demons was was nasty. Um,
0: yeah, I think I walked past at one point. And he goes, "Oh, it's three wounds and nine damage because fuck you, you demon." Yeah, demons. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just, like,
1: yeah, <laughs> uh, good, good guys. I think it was like eighteen or twenty damage in one turn on the skyfires, and I was like, "Oh n- no, yeah, <laughs> this is not okay." <laughs> yeah, the, the, this is not great. Um, There's
0: no consent here.
1: Yeah. So that w- that was on Starstrike. So um, the Deceiver himself is is amazing on this mission. Um, Just, just the fact that you're scoring depending on the, the turn number. Um, so I could just sort of sit him back and throw some stars here and there and he couldn't shoot me. He had a lot of shooting. Um, 40 skinks and a steg and a bastillodon. Um, but yeah, they, they couldn't really deal with the deceiver. And then come turn three or four, he sort of hops around the board and does as he pleases and takes off back, back units of 10 skinks holding an objective or, um, yeah, just a stag holding an objective or something. Um, so, I lost quite a lot in that game. I think, um, other than Jax, that's probably where I lost, um, lost the most of my models, um, was against Can. Uh, by the end of it, I think I had one blood warrior left and, um, and the big mouse and maybe a, a marauder or two. So he, he, he really, he's really getting, getting, getting to grips with that Seraphon and really, um, that Shadow Strike list is going to be pretty scary if it's still like this um, come next edition. With all the nerfs to shooting, that that hard combat list is going to be awesome.
0: It's quite a balanced sort of army, um, especially at the lower point as well. And I mean, given that you're playing Chaos, he's just sitting there looking at his lips lips, because he's got so many sort of abilities and attacks that do uh, extra damage to Chaos or or to demons. So, um, I mean, he had how many skinks did he have?
1: I think he had 60, 60 skinks, here.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he has the board control of the skinks, because you're playing on a 4 by 4 So 60 skinks do take up um, a lot of room, and he has them on movement traits, which is quite cool. Uh, he has, is it Pterodons or Reprodactyls? Uh, rip- ripodactyls, like... yeah. yeah, ripodactyls, yeah. Yeah, Reprodactyls. Yeah, so they get Alpha stroke here. He's got the Bastilodon to sort of sit there and be a tank, which is, um, I don't know how well it performs in his list. It's a lot of points at that level. As I said, someone's running around a, a magma dragon, which is even more points. So.
1: It's um, it's it's re- it's actually really hard to deal with it. Um, it ignores all rend, and it has a, yeah. it, it has yeah, a four it's up mortal wound save, and he can make it two up, yeah. re-rolling everything. So, yeah. um, it's it's pretty hard to deal with the the yeah. Um It's just
0: begging to be set on a piece of damn terrain oh, yeah. and Yeah, be like, yeah, do save half of them, sweet new one probably twos now, in new one or something, I guess. Uh, and then it's sort of the damage tree against chaos or chaos demons, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it yeah, it, it always seems to perform, especially against my murder host or, um, just a cheeky blood letter bomb here or there. It, it can take off damn near all of them in one go. If he gets lucky with his rolling. Um, and, there's some hearing
0: you sort of talk about the Deceiver throughout the game. It's um really starting to paint picture that it's it's sort of like the Celestine Prime of the Chaos. Yeah. Where you sort of hold it back, hold it back, sort of... Um, does he have a ranged ability spell? Or uh, just shooting? So he's got... Because I know the crux of him is that you just cast that spell, teleport in someone's face, and he's quite fighty in combat, and pretty much just take the unit off, so that's sort of how the Prime works, is you hold him back, and then in the late game, especially for a mission like Star Strike, where you can score uh, fifteen points in, in the last turn, and, you know it's it's pretty awesome. But so that's more or less what it sounds like. How you're using them is, is
1: that right? Yeah. So um, I sort of I didn't skip leap him very often um, at the start of the game. So that's his, his movement shenanigans. Um, I sort of just used him for a Mystic Shield bot. Um, but yeah, the the star the Doom is awesome. I, I didn't realize it did D6 damage until I really looked at the scroll. And, um, it, it, it's, it's really good for chipping away, hiding behind those marauders. But, um, yeah, it's got negative three rend as well in the combat phase with that, um, that little dagger of his. So, it, a lot of people. Three rend as Yeah. 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 Anything with a four up save, you don't even have to worry about them rolling a six here or there. So, it was really shredding stuff. Yeah. And is it? Is it D3 damage? Yeah, or yeah, it, D3, um, damage a piece, yeah.
0: D3 damage apiece, yeah. Go ahead, D3 damage. So swing. Yeah. But he gets, um, I think he gets almost a half dozen attacks as well, and I think he's hitting pretty well and wounding pretty well as well. So he's probably getting the bulk of those attacks through. So he really is sort of like that. You know, I can move him around on the board, sort of alpha strike. Um, As long as you can make that sort of, is it a six-inch charge you have to make?
1: Does he have to be more than six inches? Wide? Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a um, six-inch charge you've got to make with them. Um, yeah, yeah. but you know, he's, he's hitting on twos if he gets Lord of War off on himself and, um, wounding on twos with a re roll. Um, so it was pretty, he's pretty consistent once he gets there. Just making that six inch charge. Um, that, that was pretty good apart from the, uh, the game on duality that I I really needed it probably the most. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, so he is pretty, Versatile in
0: that manner, so it is probably quite good, especially at the lower point range, uh, to have something that you can sort of hold back and deploy and, and you know, kill something on a, an objective, especially a wounded unit over a course of game. Uh, but, but, anywho, so you played Cameron, um, you've known quite a bit, you sort of got some late game scoring going on, on Star Strike, and um, got a major win, is that yeah. right? So, I got a um,
1: I tabled him that game and got a um. And got a major win, so that was that was pretty good. So that moved me back up to the um back up to the top. Um, playing Ben with his corn army. Um, so he pretty much spat in my face when I got to the table. Um, both being corn players and seeing Skyfire sitting on my side of the board. Um, it was Scorched Earth. Um, this mission. S- and he had I think it was twenty blood warriors, yep. five refs. Um, the normal banner and
0: a slaughter priest or two. Yeah, a lot of bodies from what I saw.
1: Yeah, all um, multi-wound too. It was a lot, a lot of, of push.
0: Bodies. Yeah, yeah, and um, just uh, because we were playing on four by fours of scorched earth, uh, we adjusted it to have uh, two objectives in each deployment zone, as opposed to three objectives, so four total objectives. Um, which I hope. Went alright. I didn't receive any sort of bad feedback by it, but it was just more if I'm um, free objectives, could be a bit of a push, um, and it could just become a bit of a, a blob in the middle, um, because that's what I saw from a lot of people was sort of two armies running into each other, hidden in the middle, and then one would overrun the other, um, and then you know, and then win the game essentially. There were some people with movement shenanigans popping around the board. And so on, so but, but, sorry, mate, I interrupted you there. So
1: no, that's right. Um... Yeah, I do. I wasn't overly confident going into this game. Um, Ben's army was, it was focused around a lot of push with those consistent bodies and just a lot of resilience. Um, not, not a lot of rend, um, but a lot of dice throwing at you. I think it was four attack blood warriors apiece. So, um, you know, there's 40 wounds of that that I have to deal with to, um, try to get anywhere near his side of the board. Um, so I gave him first turn. And he pretty much uh, just run everything across the board. Um, didn't get off any uh, Slaughter Priest spell, uh, prayers, so that was fortunate for me, not so fortunate for him. Um, then over to my turn, I shot his banner off first turn with the Skyfires. Um, and a bit of shame there. They were a bit embarrassed to be shooting off another corn player's banner first turn. Um, and uh, I sort of, yeah, just sort of... Moved all my guys up so the back of their base was three inches away from the um, from the objective. So knowing he's going to smash my marauders off the board, he's still not going to be able to burn my objective. Um, and then he won the priority roll for turn two, and that's pretty much exactly what he did. He came in and smashed my marauders to bits. Um, I'd taken out a unit of his blood warriors with my skyfires, and he uh, he moved the breath mongers over there to take care of them. So my idea, kind of there, was I can't I can't fight him face on. I need to pull something something away from my objectives. Um, so slinging my skyfires up front, it's that they'd, they'd taken 320 points with the with the damage off his side of the table. So I was relatively happy if the wrathmongers um, went in and killed them. Um, but unfortunately, wasn't able to. He left one skyfire left alone, and the um, the skyfires took. Took uh, three of his wrathmongers off the table as well, so um, that was pretty unfortunate for him. He, he rolled quite badly with the um, with the rafts that turn, so felt for him a little bit there. And um, yeah, it went over to my turn. I pushed the uh, the blood warriors across the board to the uh, to the objective. He was getting a bit close to um, with three up saves on them, so they were pretty a lot tankier than his Blood Warriors, sort of sat them on the objective and um, stopped him pushing any more models onto there. And um, the uh, the Deceiver went huge this game. He um, he threw a star at the first unit of Blood Warriors that the Skyfires went into and um, took off, he rolled a six, took off three Blood Warriors. Then he uh, he went into the next unit of Blood Warriors and I think I got four attacks through um, after hit, hit and win rolls. And he, he doesn't give us get a save with the neg three rend. And I rolled up um, three three damage on all my attacks. So it was 12 damage total and took took 12 Blood Warriors off. Um, which was really lucky because I needed to get rid of some of those bodies. This game... Yeah, and I... What was that?
0: Sorry. Oh no, keep going. I thought you were done.
1: Uh, so yeah, this game unfortunately didn't go all the way through. Um... But there was a lot of fighting in the middle, so that really slowed it down with all the attacks and the blood warriors dying and then attacking afterwards and then, you know, going back and forward like that. Um, so at the end of the game, we ended up, um, tying, tying on, uh, on points. I wasn't able to get into that, that late game stage for the, um, Vermin Lord Deceiver to jump across the board. Um, but I was, I was well ahead on kill points by that stage, so. It was a good hard game. It's always a good hard game against Ben. And, um, really had me sweating, sweating, especially going into that second turn. Um, yeah, Ben is a solid player. Um, no, I was just wanting to, to touch back on, uh,
0: what you mentioned about your Skyfire is how, um, you were talking about they were an acceptable sort of loss given what they had achieved prior to that. Because you said that they moved up and killed the banner in turn one. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, and that's exactly what you want, because had they not been able to, had you not been able to sort of get out and kill that banner in turn one, with the number of blood warriors that he had on the board all getting extra attacks, but more importantly being immune to battle shock, it would have just made it a lot harder to move those bottle bodies off the board, uh, especially in a mission like Scorched Surf where you, you know you need to control the board, you need bodies to be the objective. So I think sort of um, you know. Not so much saying, oh, it was a throwaway unit, but it had a, had a role to play within the game and it achieved that. And then sort of what happened to it was, was secondary. It was unacceptable because they were able to snipe off that banner early on. And that banner in Ben's list, uh, just brings so much sort of buffing force to it, making it all immune to battle shock. And then also the plus one hits. I mean, the guy's already rolling heaps of dice at you because of the number of blood worries. and you off a combat army, he's fine again when you kill him. So.
1: Hmm. Um, Yeah.
0: So I think that was a pretty sort of sound tactical move there. And if you hadn't, you might have been in far more trouble and you might have not had
1: the same sort of outcome.
0: Uh, So it was a, so the result of that game was a minor win then, wasn't
1: it? It was a, came down to kill points? Yeah, yeah, it came down to kill points. I think um, I had 800 by the end and Ben had 400, something like that. Um, I think when you play a corn player, you really got to take that banner off as quickly as you can. Um, Helps, I guess it helps. Myself being a, a corn player, mainly knowing the importance of that, that banner. And the second it goes, you're, you're in a bit of trouble. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was hundred percent my idea to smash that off. And then from then onwards, the, the blood warriors could, could flee retreat. Really, that's, that's one of the, one of the best things about the banner. Um, that even though the blood warriors don't have amazing bravery, it's, it's good enough. It's, uh, they're lucky with the banner that they just stick around and just be such a tanky little nuisance that they are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, I think that's a big part of Age of Sigmar. It's just a sort of hero hammer behind it where, um, especially Korn, Bloodlound. Um, it's the same with Stormcast, you know, any Stormcast or Bloodlound list is bound to have sort of four to six heroes in it, at a 2000 point level, that is. Um, and they all have pretty important roles to play. You know, whether it be Stormcast where you've got a Lantern guy or Corn with the banner or Corn with, um, the bloodstoker who can make you guys sort of move quicker if you're looking for a turn one sort of run in charge or something along those lines um, or a heralder in the stormcast army when you're wanting to make your fulminators run in charge as well just you know, like the like uh, so I think a lot of Age of Stigma gameplay is just that key target priority around the heroes and sort of being able to identify what each hero's role is within that army and then hopefully executing a play where you can remove that hero from your opponent's army and then the army doesn't work as well as they want to or as they need it to. It might be a super tricked out combo and if you remove one piece from it, then it might all fall apart or it might just make his army very vulnerable. Um, so I didn't. I think target priority in this game and then identifying and being able to kill the appropriate heroes uh, without overreaching is, is um, you know, a very, very good sort of gameplay in Age of Sigma and it's very sort of critical to the game.
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's really important to um, not, not only just prioritise one thing and make sure it goes but prioritise the right thing as well um, in that case I, I left his general alone knowing that he could give inspiring presence to one unit and plus attacks to all the units but he can't do both which is what the banner was doing so um, picking and choosing um, who, who disappears first is pretty important. Um, which we're going to see a big change come AOS 2 when heroes are a little bit harder to take care of that way. Um, which, yeah, good, good buff to, um, a lot of armies that rely on the heroes like, uh, Korn or, uh, Stormcast.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about the, the minus one hit heroes. Yeah, the, the heroes. minus one to hit oh, heroes. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it gives them a bit more <laughs> sort of, um, resilience, especially against sort of gun lines. Um, or just heavy ranged armies. you know. Uh, armies sort of, like, a lot of death armies will benefit from that. Um, given that they don't have a lot of range, uh, so they sort of need to be up in the forefront of what's going on. Uh, but they also have the save after save as well. So, excuse me, so that will um, that will help out a lot more. So, you finished the day with major loss game one, two major wins, round two and three, and then round four was yeah, a
1: minor win? That, yeah, that's three. So pretty, pretty happy with how the list went, um, went all in all. It wasn't overly, um, my playstyle or something that I was overly used to. Um, I, I never have a shooting phase. So that was pretty awesome. Awesome to have a shooting phase that actually does something. Um, yeah, I just, I, I was just loving playing the mouse really. The mouse was, um, was the highlight of the list for me. Just as, um, his mobility was, was wicked. The yeah. deceiver, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, that's that's pretty cool. So, um, so given given that, uh, Jimmy, where you finishing the uh, ranking? I
1: think it was was it six, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah I, think, yeah, it I think it was six. six. So you're in the top third, um, considering it was a an army that was, um, as you said, using some old core pieces and then sort of just taking the deceiver because he's been around for a long time and you haven't taken him before. Uh, so that's really cool. That's really cool. Um yeah, so you you finished up six. Um Ben actually landed up finishing it ahead of you in fourth. Um because he he got a minor one at the start and two major wins and then the minor lost at the So so Ben finished fourth. So the top three finishing was uh GC? Jesse had four major wins from four games, so he was the only um, undefeated player throughout the tournament, uh, with four max win victories. He had a, a Sky list. Um, however it wasn't the sort of from what I saw from afar and my minimal knowledge of Sky, it wasn't the sort of typical list. Um, do you know much about Jesse? Yeah, so um when that he's one of you one of your local lads. Yeah, so
1: Jesse's from um from around here in in Palmy, so we play pretty pretty regularly. Um Jesse's list was something he's played quite a lot, but he'd never actually taken to a tournament before. Um, he went into it thinking about playing Death, but he ended up playing Sky. Um, so it was Archwork, bale- uh, Arch Warlock on Bailwind. Uh, the little, I can't remember what they're called, the, the, the little warlock just on foot, uh, the hundred point guy. Then he had a Doom Wheel. He had 40 clan rats a walk grinder team, some storm fiends and two mortar squads. Um, And we played a game on the Friday night. And I think he had an extra, uh, extra poison wind globally squad, And a lot of points left over to get to 1250. And we went, Oh, this is probably not quite right. Took him out and put in the walk grinder team. And, um, he came come up with the idea of moving the clan rats around with the, the Wap grinder team. Um, so just at 1250 points, um, having 40 wounds that are immune to battle shop that you can put anywhere on the board was, it really played to his advantage. Um,
0: yeah, I saw him do it in the last game on scorched earth. I think it was sort of turn two or three and Rick said, um, sort of went all or nothing across the board. And uh, I came along and said, Oh, you don't have a, a lot left just, yes, and he goes, oh, "I've still got my clan rats in the ground." Uh, and yeah, it is forty bodies; it's, it's forty wounds, but it's also a big area of board space on a four-by-four board. Um, so it was a pretty good decision by him to bring that I guess you know, knowing about the conditions you're going to play in, a smaller board, having a big unit like that can control a lot of board space. Definitely help you out, and, that, and that's exactly what he did. Is he just popped up, spread him across the back board edge, and the last game um, scorched it and said so he was in range of both of the objectives but said i'm contesting this one over here which um he burnt from what i understand and then the next turn just slightly shuffled to the right um and then contested the next one immediately after this so uh, so it wasn't a typical sort of spammy mortal wounds uh list but it was it was pretty cool um and jesse also got the most kill points for the tournament with four thousand two hundred and sixty. Um, and another stat we tracked as well was how many kill points, um, you gave up across your games because there was some little sort of quirky awards on the side for, for least kill points given up. Um, and Jesse also gave up the least amount of kill points at 1,010 over four games, which is pretty impressive considering I think he lost about 600 in his, in his last game against Rex. So, um, yeah, he was for a Skaven player. You're thinking, well, your stuff are going to, stuff's going to die you're going to give up lots of kill points but you're going to sort of you know what you give up in kill points is what you'll gain in kill points as well Um, but it wasn't the case so he had sort of if you're looking at a kill point differential which is not something we track it was just um given that i was just trying to make up a bunch of awards um he had sort of a a difference of about 3200 plus in that category
1: which was quite amazing pretty insane really with the six up save rats or five up save rats the only real tanky thing was the um, the Arch Warlock and the, uh, the Storm Fiends. So did really well to, to somehow not lose a lot.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what his secret was, but he um yeah he definitely did well. Um, next, we had, in second place, we had Matt Britton, uh, last year's uh, number one ranked player in New Zealand. Um, but I can't remember what he finished at Masters. He didn't do that well at Masters. Uh, but throughout the course of the year, he was number one. Um, he ran a, a mixed destruction list, um, which I'll try and remember to the best of my ability. I think it was a frost Lord on a stone horn and a magma dragon and, uh, two units of ten savage orcs, I believe, just sort of battle line. Um, and I think that was his whole list and he said it sort of worked pretty well. He, however, um, missed having a, a, a shaman, a mage in there, a little grot guy just to give mystic shield. Um, I think the Magma Dragon, he just sort of threw in people's faces and made them crap their pants. Um, and then, you know, when you finally killed off the Magma Dragon, all 20 wounds of it, which is killing you as you kill it in combat, that is. Um, the Frost Lord would then sort of beta charge you. And you're thinking, oh, God, really? Um, and he he got three major wins. Um, his only loss came in game one against Bo, who was running a I'd Deep Konami, Um which I didn't... Watch entirely, but I think Bo had, um, the special characters of Voltranus, Voltranus, I'm not too sure. Um, the aspect of the sea, the spellcasting one, and then he just had a bunch of eels, um, and I think he might have had one of a hero, I'm not entirely sure. And, um, from what I saw in that game, it was going all well, and then as soon as that turn three, um, rolled over, it just went all Bo's way because he had, uh, you know, the, the allegiance ability, um, or, or whatever it's called as this sort of storm progresses. And his whole army attacks first, regardless of whose combat it is. Um, and Matt just said he just, by that point, both armies were all in combat. And um, him attacking first across the board just really ruined, uh, ruined sort of Matt's chances of winning that game. So it's good to see the Iron FL. It's good to see they got a win. That um, it was, it was really cool. And then third um, was a play that we've already mentioned, uh, Rex running Legion of Sacrament, I believe it is. Um, his list, I, uh, from the best of my ability, I didn't get lists handed in. Sorry, guys, that's why I'm not telling you the exact lists. Um, it's just lists from a day and giving it to one day. And It's, you know, sort of everyone you know there, is your mate. Uh, you sort of assume people won't take the piss, and I didn't have any complaints. People were handing their lists into me, but I didn't really care to take them. Uh, to be honest, I was just saying, get your opponent to check him and, and go from there. Uh, So Rex was running Legion of Sacrament. He had a mortise engine, he had Arcan, um, and he had, I think, two units of six spirit hosts. And I believe there might have been something else. I'm not entirely sure. I can't quite remember. Um, and from what I witnessed of Rick's plane, he was just looking to um, <coughs> curse the years off stuff as, you know, as and when he can, as you do with Arcan. Um And then he was looking for sort of damned terrain um, to put on a spirit host. Um, and the idea was that he would chuck six bases of Spirit host in your face at a time. Uh, they each have six attacks. Uh, they hit on fives, but every six they do is is a mortal wound. So, obviously, if you're taking damn Terrain, every five you're doing is a mortal wound. Um, and then it's just a sort of numbers game. When you're rolling 36 dice, you're bound to get sort of a few fives and sixes in there if you have damn Terrain. Um, and yeah, so it was just sort of <coughs> buffing them, running them in, and just mortal wounding people off um, with them in combat, and then his heroes would just sit there and support. So Rex did really well. Uh, he got three major wounds, and he, he played Jesse in the last game, to, to which he didn't do so well, where, um, where Jesse uh, won that game. So Rex finished third, and then we've got Ben fourth, who we spoke about with Sean. Uh, Lee finished fifth with a silver knife army. Uh, it's really good to see Lee doing a bit better, and um, in tournament play, he's a great player outside of tournaments. But when he gets into tournaments, um, he's not as consistent for whatever reason. Um, and then Sean finished sixth. It's interesting to note that Lee only actually beat you by one victory point as well. So he had sixty four, and you had sixty three um, victory points, which is which is quite interesting. He had two minor losses as opposed to ah uh, the major loss, minor yeah. One your loss, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got. So it was 20, 20 points for a major win, thirteen for a minor win, ten for a draw, which never happens. Uh, seven for a minor loss and zero for for a loss. So that's the point system we like use. Um, so yeah, do do you have any other sort of further comments to to touch on regarding Vanguard and the Hutch or um or
1: otherwise? We'll just sort of move on from there. Oh, not really. I think it. I think it was awesome. It was a it was a bloody good day down in Wellington to um to roll some dice. And then it's um it's always really good to see everyone keen to go down to the pub afterwards and um talk some shit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really about it. It's just mates getting together, rolling
0: dice, talking, telling stories, and, and having a beer afterwards, which is really cool. Um, the sort of the immediate feedback I had from it was the the hour and a half rounds um weren't as friendly to people as what they'd hoped. Um, so, if I was to do it again, which I probably will, um for Four games in a day is pretty tight, um, but we'll look to do sort of um, 1 hour 45. And we might knock down the points to 1,000 instead of um, 1,250.
1: I think a lot of it was was us sort of, everyone hadn't seen each other in a while and having a yarn at the start of every game and there's 10 minutes there and then having a yarn to the guy next to you and there's another 10 minutes there. And then by the time you deploy and stuff, you've really, you don't got a lot of time left. Yeah,
0: well, that was sort of my observation from the first round. As I was going around and it was like 25 minutes and people were still deploying and I was like, guys, you need to hurry up. Um, you know, I I know you're sort of having a yarn, but we've got a pretty strict time schedule to, to run by. Um, so we don't have the bench for as long as I'd like. Um, and then sort of from round two onwards, uh, it didn't seem to become an issue. Like people were sort of like, hey, let's, let's get the sort of, you know, hey, how are you going? And let's just get the game going. And then following that, we'll have a yarn and have a chat. Um, so I think that's good that people sort of maybe realize, maybe just got this first game of the day. I don't know. But um, yeah, so going forward, might reduce the points. We'll look to extend the round slightly. Um, and we'll go from there.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. So what have we got coming up next? Um, this week, we've got Nikon, Nikon and uh, Napier, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, we've got a two two thousand point event over five games in two days. So that'll be um that'll be awesome. We both go to that, eh?
0: Yep, yeah. We've um made the decision to travel up to Napier, which is sort of about four hours ish from Wellington. Um and I think it's only a couple hours to yourself, south, mate, because you're a bit further up the up the North Island than what we are. Um so yeah, Nikon's um rather interesting. It's it's a sort of as the name implies, it's one of those sort of convention con events. Uh, we have a lot of them in one in uh, sorry, New Zealand. Uh, the reason for that is, um, it's just a lot cheaper So you know, if you have a multi-game system, they're normally run by clubs or representatives of clubs, um, where one club will arrange the tables, um, the venue, take the registrations, take the money, pay the bills, and then they're just looking for tournament organizers. Uh, sort of what they do in the states, but just obviously not at the scale of of hundreds or even thousands of players. Uh, so it, it, it's interesting because it's based in, in Napier, which is a town which has, from what I understand, no Age of Sigma representation or active players. Um, there's a couple of the ninth age players in Napier, from what I understand, um, who are still holding on from the old world. Um, so the whole the whole team. That is playing in the event is travelling um so everyone's coming from out of Napier so hopefully we will we'll put on a good show for people will get talking and ask questions and, and maybe we can look to sort of grow the scene in Napier you know show them that there is players out there and there are people that are willing to travel um, so that's really cool so as as Sean said it's a five round 2000 point uh, match play event however um, we are using open war cards, which um, is not the norm, but will be the second event this year to use them, uh, which is really cool. So what the TO's done is he's um, drawn some open war cards two or three weeks before the event, I think maybe, and <coughs> excuse me, and he's just drawn random cards for the deployment, the objective, and a twist, I believe it is, and they're a bit quirky. Um the deployments will be um they're not so straightforward, so there'll probably be a lot of time spent deploying the there. Um so we thought we'd just do a brief quick sort of overview of, of the scenarios and our list and sort of what we expect and what we hope to achieve.
1: Yeah, so the scenarios they're um <clears throat> the the deployment for them is quite different to uh to what we're used to, but the the scenario itself really doesn't change up a lot from um from the G H B two. Uh, that they, they more or less take from the scenarios and just put a little bit of a twist on the end of it, mess around with the deployment a little bit. Um, so the first scenario we've got going up is, um, it's called the comet. It's more or less star strike. Uh, but if you remember the old escalation setup where everything's on the diagonal, it's, um, it's, it's like that. So, um, there's a comet that comes down on the board randomly similar to Star Strike. And um the common trend with all these objectives have been over the course of Nikon is that you score at the end at the fifth battle round. So um a resilient army, an army that can hang around and play the late game, like Nurgle or Stormcast or um or even Death is um they're really gonna do well um at Nikon.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And um and the interesting thing about this first mission, so um, I believe is that you roll in the, at the side of the third battle round it and it drops in one of the quarters or in the middle of the, um, the middle of the board. And as Sean said, it's like the old escalation where it's a diagonal sort of deployment. We uh, um, split the board in half on a diagonal angle and, um, and you go from there. What's really interesting about this um, <clears throat> is that the deployment zones are 12 inches away and you just have to deploy 12 inches from your opponent's territory. Uh, clearly, this means that there'll be First turn charge opportunity, um, straight into combat. And however, the twist for this is, um, is eager to fight, which is add two to inches, the move characteristic of all models, and all models can add one to their run and charge rolls. So, why the objective comes down late and you score it at the end of the game? I expect a lot of armies to, or a lot of games to sort of finish in the third or fourth battle round. Uh, for the scenario, just given how quickly armies going to get into each other's faces and there is quite a heavy sort of combat meta within the new zealand tournaments thing um so there will be there will be lots of players sort of getting in early and you know probably not having a lot left over so as sean said having a resilient sort of late game army uh will be beneficial something that can sort of withstand the charge in turn one and, and go from there the next scenario we've got is seekers of glory um, which I don't know how to describe <laughs> this, but over in, in, in an audio fashion, it's like a triangle um, on a triangle a on another tri-
1: triangle.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a military badge yeah. of some sort. Hey? There's, there's a small triangle, and then there's a big triangle in the middle, and then in, in the top there's little triangles. Um. So yeah, sorry guys, that's just not like a <laughs> description. Um, it's, it's 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 an odd setup. Um and how do you win this one, Sean? Uh
1: yeah, so this one's the same sort of deal. Um the fifth battle round, it's um it's it comes down to kill points, this one. So um when you get to Is no, it, it look, oh it's wounds.
0: Yeah, sorry, I'm just reading it. I saw I was just looking for you to bail me up <laughs> and try <to> read it. <laughs> so that's why I sort of threw you on the no, oh, yeah Um I was just just too taken away by these triangles yeah. and triangles. But each player adds up the wounds of all enemy models um, that their army has slain <laughs> during the battle, um, doubling the value of the model is a hero or behemoth. Um, at the end of the fifth battle round, the player who has the highest total win. So uh, really, it's just kill as many sort of, you know, wounds off your opponent as you can or try table them. So
1: uh, that's a pretty big yeah. mission. The twist on this one's quite cool. Um... It's got me nervous, and it's got me happy at the same time. I don't really know how to feel about it. Um, The twist on this one is the arm is a minus one uh, to shoot in the shooting phase, but you also have to subtract one from run and charge rolls until turn four. Oh, sorry, until turn... I'm all over the show.
0: No, that's all right. So at the start of the second battle round, roll a dice on a four plus the rain lifts and the lashing rain rule ceases to apply if the rain continues it will automatically break on the uh, third battle round so you're guaranteed minus one um, from shooting and running and charging in the first battle round uh, possibly to second so um, that will be interesting the, the deployment what i can say about the deployment is uh, the closest you can deploy to each other is about 24 inches so Unlike the first one, where it's only twelve inches away, this one's a bit a bit further away, so that might not have so much of an effect on on the game if um, if the rain stops in the second turn. If you're able to roll the four plus,
1: yeah. Fortunately, I don't think anybody's taking um, a list too shooting heavy. Um, your your own one is probably um, is probably up there. There's no there's no KO to my knowledge going. Um, you're you're quite heavy on the shooting side, but Hopefully, for you, it breaks on that, that
0: turn, eh? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Uh, my Stormcast list, which we'll get into after the missions, um, I expect we'll probably have the most shooting. Um, as I said, there's not a lot of shooting in, in the New Zealand uh, tournament scene. So, you know, talking about knowing your local meta and knowing what to expect that matches or tournaments um, is, is a good sort of ability or is a good sort of a bit of homework to do before an event. Um, but I, I do have some range, which we'll get into later. So that'll probably affect me more than anyone else. Um, and expect to see quite a lot of combat behind this. Uh, the third mission is Field of Glory. Um, <laughs> another great deployment to sort of describe. This over one has to ways. be the hardest one uh, so far. A giant, yeah, there's a, there's a giant circle in the middle, bang on middle of, uh, of the map. Um, it's a 24 inch bubble. Um, so one player deploys within 24 inches of that bubble. And then, um, there's sort of curvy deployment areas in each corner, which are about sort of between 12 and 24 inches away. Uh, so players roll off and then they pick one side. Um, they pick a wise middle or, um, the corners, I guess we'll just call it. And in this one, you have, uh, you have free deploy, uh, three objective markers to capture, one in the middle of the board, uh, one in the corners, so the players alternate between this, and then one in the no-man's land uh, territory. And the way you win is uh, you immediately win if you control all three of them um, at the start of a turn. Um, So, And the twist to this is um, instead of setting up your army one at a time, uh, the players roll off. And the person who wins the roll-off deploys their whole army at once, regardless of how many drops they have. Um, and then the player who didn't win deploys their whole army as well. Uh, then the player who won the roll-off, so the player who deployed first, rolls a D6. And on a 2+, plus, uh, they get to choose who goes first. And on a 1, this player who set up second uh, gets to choose who to go first. Um, so it's a bit interesting. I actually managed to play this um, the other night with... Um, mate who's also going um and he actually beat me pretty much right away which was quite interesting um he managed to get all three objectives because i was feeling a bit cocky I had a, I had a turn one charge and took off six kernel hunters, and was feeling a bit Billy big balls confident about the situation and then i sort of fell asleep as to what's on my home objective and he just teleported a silver net over and took it and won the game i felt <laughs> a bit robbed but didn't want to go through the effort of redeploying on that mission again to, to play again. So we just had a chat and a beer afterwards, which was which is great. So yeah. Um anything else to add about that mission, Sean? I think I covered
1: it. I up. just think taking the um the factor of drops drops out of it to see who um who controls who takes that first turn. It's pretty it's pretty huge. Um I know on my list I take spend a hundred points on a battalion purely to be able to um to decide who takes first turn. So when it comes down to a dice roll at the start, um, that's gonna, it's going to th- throw things throw things out of proportion a little bit and uh, mess with people's plans a little bit, which would be cool.
0: Yeah, I was speaking to Seth last night, who I believe is running a B-Score Raiders battalion, um, and he said that he's got a two-drop army and he's got sort of a plan and a combo in mind for how his army is going to function. Um and also having that um, ability to probably pick who's going to go first for almost all the missions with a two drop. Don't know if anyone's running a one drop these days. Um, so he specifically built his list with that in mind. When a combo in a mission like this, where um, it's a dice roll, who's sort of you know determining who goes first um, could really fuck with his plans. So that would be that would be really cool to see. Um, I like it when it sort of shakes up the meta a bit. Um, I do, too, also try build lower list drops, but it, um, it's well-publicized. It's still, because battalions have become um, very expensive following the General's Handbook 2017. Um, so since then, I haven't re-ran battalions, but prior to it. I was using a lot of battalions. But not, but I just don't want really to use them when you're about to Yeah, born. it's pretty rough, isn't
1: it? So the um, the fourth scenario is, uh, is treasure hunt. And that's, that's another one we've seen before. Um, we was seen before at, uh, at Natcom a few, few months back. So it's, um, there's six, six objectives set up at the start of the game. And, um, you roll, you roll on each objective when you're within it. Within, what is it, three inches of the objective. And on six, that's the objective everybody's looking for. And then again, it comes down for that, um, more models at the fifth battle round, um, wins the game. So uh, another one of those objectives where, um, more resilient or late game armies are going to do well on. The, um, there's quite a cool little twist on this one. Um, so what it does is it reduces the, the range of all attacks and spells to 12 inches, um, rolling, rolling at the start of each of the turns to, uh, to add a little bit. Onto that, adding six inches to the maximum range. Um, from two and four onwards, it, you get back to max range, but you, you know you can make quite a quite a difference over that amount of time. Um,
0: yeah, it is a bit of an interesting mission, um, especially with the the six objectives. Um, and as you said, we played this mission um, at NACON, um a couple of months ago, and um, played a I played a chap called Emmy, and my experience was that he just um, I put down an objective, and then he saw where I was putting it, and then he put you – because know, you alternate between the six. So I put down one, then he put one completely opposite of it on the other side of the board, um, as in, like, opposite in a straight line, so it's as close to mine as it could be. And then I sort of saw what he was doing, and then I put mine on the other side of the board, so about as far away as I could from those ones. And then he just sat the one side. Uh, he went first, and then he the first dice he rolled was a six. <laughs> so Miami was – was completely spread out along, you know, your sort of standard deployment. Um, and he he just bit heavy to win heavy, and he um, got the objective for the first row of the game, which is good and bad, because it means you have five turns to react to where the objective has been placed, and you've got five turns to reorganize your game plan, whereas, you know, if it comes to turn four or five and then you finally find an objective, you don't get a lot of reactionary time, especially if it's come out on, um, on your side of water close to your army. Um and also to twist is as Sean said, um will also hurt um some people like myself and it will hurt um some people like Nugal, um bring Rodigus and just anyone that has lots of spells. Um because it's all limited to twelve inches, you know, eighteen or, or unlimited or whatever their range may be. Um from what I understand that will be included for a bailwind as well.
1: Um, so That's 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 massive as so, well yeah, and the- Normally um a lot of armies um, you see hundred yeah, yeah. points reinforcement points and everybody knows what that's going for. That's going for somebody's bailwind. And um to sort of waste somebody's hundred yeah. points, hopefully they've got something to um something worthwhile to put in place at that hundred points is um it's gonna throw a spanner in the works. Yeah, well, as I don't take a bailwind, I don't <laughs> think
0: yeah. um, so you know, it just it just it, it's all green for the poster boys over here, that's all I can say, you know. It's it's all good for me. Uh, but yeah, as, as Sean also already said, uh, the range increases by six inches every turn up until turn four, um, when your, your normal range returns to you. So again, we have a very combat meta in New Zealand and this sort of mission is encouraging that combat meta as well. Um, so, so yeah, that was, um, that sort of favors the, the play style of most players here. Uh, so scenario five we've got is, uh, taken hold. In um, this one, you have to place an objective... Oh, so of deployment for this one... Um, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Um One... So if you're looking at a board left to right, um, up and down, uh, there's an 18-inch territory from the left side coming into the board, and then um, on the right side, there's sort of a rectangle down the middle of the board, 18 inches away from the other player's territory. So it's not the whole way. It's 12 inches in from... The top and the bottom of the board and it's um it's a good sort of 36 inches or more long no, that would be 56. um so again a bit of a funky deployment uh taken hold so each player sets up an objective on the battlefield um it's more than 10 inches away from the battlefield edge um, you control it if you have a hero or a behemoth three inches of it um the objective will stay in your control unless the opponent destroys it uh, destroys the hero or the Behemoth, uh with one of their own wild arrow within three inches. So it's sort of like duality of death. Um, and you control and you score one victory point for each turn you you, um, you control it. So unlike the recent missions where it's sort of you win in turn five or you're sort of working towards something by turn five, this one is um, across across the board. Um, is the twist standard or is it it
1: is it not uh, so, uh, so yeah, you... the twist the twist on this one we've seen before as well is um, splitting your army down into three contingents. And um, so your contingents can't have more than half the models from your army, uh, half the units from your army in one contingent. And um, so it's really important to um, get out the contingent you need first, because the other contingents come in the movement phase. And um, so it can really really mess with those armies like Stormcast or, or my own, um, that needs all those hero phase buffs uh, if you leave your heroes off out of the first contingent um, as they won't be able to use them until turn three.
0: Yeah, it is a, It is pretty annoying. Um, again, we played, uh, we had this twist at, at on a few months back and um, for an army like mine, uh, which is Stormcast, um, it, was, it was very annoying being you know, having sort of four to five heroes, which um, are a big part of my list, which buff um, various units to make them better. Um, so you're sort of staggering your units onto the board. Um, and it's interesting to note here as well that you split up into three contingents. And no contingent can consist um, of more than half the units in the army. Uh, now, some people have missed out on this previously. They just go, I have to split it up three times to three even units. Uh, that is not the case. Uh, say you have 14 contingent, uh, 14 drops, sorry. Uh, so you got, to, which is sort of like my army, heaps of drops. Um, so no contingent can be more than half your army. So what that means is you can drop six, six, and then two, because half your army is seven. Six is obviously less than seven. Doesn't say it has to be, um, three even amounts of drops. So some people missed out on that last time. So i thought I'd sort of put it out there. Um, where you can actually get quite a lot of units on the board in the first turn or two, and then you sort of just chuck it on the odd number at the end, um, you know, as a, as a formality. Um, there is also secondary objectives to each of these five missions that we've talked about, guys. Um, but the secondary objectives in this case um, are for random prizes. So we haven't really talked about them uh, because that doesn't really have a bearing on the um, material result of the game it's just sort of something that you do secondary to, to get your name in a hat to, to get an additional prize or, or not so yeah so do you want to cover off your list sean and sort of the intent behind it and and you know did you read the pack before you've made your list or did you go twos out 2000 like oh, <laughs> yeah i'm <laughs> just sort of <laughs> Do to together what I want to play with and I'll worry about lists when iOS 2 comes out? Because I kind of did that myself. But as I started thinking about it, the sort of competitive side of me sort of, you know, saying, no, we should try to take it a little bit more seriously. But yeah, do you want to cover yeah, so, up what you, um, what you got?
1: My list, uh, my most recent list, I put down the murder host um, for the last tournament. It's getting pretty sick of moving 100 blood letters around the board. So um, what I... I what I wanted to do is I wanted to make mortal corn work. Um, problem with mortal corn, a lot of people find is it's, it's too slow. Everything moves five or eight inches and there's no run or charge. Um, there's no way to get any sort of movement shenanigans. Um, so I looked around at ways I can speed them up. So I started looking at Sal and, um, I started looking at how, oh, old mate <laughs> Sal get, get a dirty salad. cheese out. Um, trying to, trying to work out how I can make that nine inch, nine inch teleport work. Um, so what I've done is, uh, is I found a unit with plus one to its charge rolls. And then I take two bloodstokers. So that guarantees my nine inches. Um, so, so that was really the basis. And then I was trying to find a, a unit that I wanted to throw across the board like that. That wasn't too expensive. Um, but they could really deal with, most situations, if not all situations, um, so what I ended up with in the end was a blood secrator, two blood stokers, Sal, a Lord of Corn on Juggernaut, and a Gaunt Summoner, and then my units are thirty Bloodletters, ten Marauders, ten Marauders, a War Shrine of Corn, uh, and then two units of ten Chaos Chosen, with a hundred points for a. Um, for a really and what that what that lets me do uh, it's worked pretty well so far i think is it lets me pick up the uh pick up the chosen and put them anywhere on the board and rig rig that charge roll so it's it's basically a nine inch deep strike that i can put anywhere on the board no 100% that i'm going to get the unit in and um yeah so the problem with the list is nobody's really seen chosen before um i think this might have I don't, I don't know if they were popular back in uh end times back in fantasy um but i spend a lot of time sort of explaining what the list does and how it works and most people get bored as hell come two minutes into it um and then they see me picking these chosen up and throwing them across the board and uh taking units out with them So. Um, the chosen re-roll to hit, hitting on threes. Uh, I can buff them again with the shrine, so they're hitting on twos with the re-roll. Uh, then they're wounding on twos, re-rolling ones with mortals on five plus. Um, so the wound rolls that weren't mortal wounds have negative one rend one damage. Uh, so it really it really plays around the opponent, making them think, you know, I have to bubble wrap all the time. Where are these chosen coming from? Um, they can really deal to more, pretty much everything, other than maybe a, a great unclean one. Um, works well against debuffs. Um, most of the debuffs are on the to hit roll, whereas I do all my damage on the wound roll. Um, we don't see any um, frost heart Phoenixes flying around in New Zealand. Um, Uh, That's the only thing I could really see throwing a spanner in the, um, in the works of the chosen. Um, but the hit, the hit roll's not a big deal when I can buff it and with the re-rolls, um, it comes out all right. Um, and then, yeah, while, while it's given me all that mobility, I can pick up the marauders and, um, teleport them as well. Um, they've actually come out quite, quite awesome for objective play. So scenarios like knife to the heart, um, a lot of people push push that, that line forwards um, so that you're well away from their objective and come into the later game. If I leave a unit chosen, chilling back on my objective, I can pick them up with Sal, rig that charge roll and fling them into their backfield. Um, whereby turn four or five, um, normally they won't have a lot of models left and it might be the case of taking out one hero or something like that. And um, then all of a sudden they've got no models on their their objective and I've got 10 plus five plus, sorry. Um, so it's a very, it's a very strange list. Um, something, I don't know. I, I think it's quite cool. I, it's not a net list. I sort of sat down and crunched it out myself and worked out what works and what doesn't work. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it's done, it's done awesome so far. It's, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it has, I think I've played against this list. Um, about three times now, uh, and the first time you're sort of telling me about it, I was just like, "Look, mate, just tell me about it. Uh, and <laughs> like, what it happened." What the fuck I'm, is going shit, on, was <laughs> yeah, like, That was meant to be shit. You know? <laughs> like, no one uses them anymore. Um, so it's cool because he he um, he can only move around slaves of darkness units, and and that's what the chosen are, um, which is really cool. So pretty much what you do is you have your chosen and you buff them up to a point where um, with the stoke as you're guaranteed at 9-inch charge. Um, and Yeah, plus,
1: again, one, to plus 1 to charge. So I get plus that's 7, right? so even on double 1s, you're making a 9-inch charge no matter what.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is just pretty awesome. Um, they've got, I think... Yeah, so a 3 attacks eight, base, 4 right? with the Ethereum
1: banner range. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. Which is, again, awesome, because you've got 10 of them, so you're looking at 30 odd tax. attacks. Um, the, the frustrating thing I find against playing the chosen is they have three wounds
1: apiece and I believe they're like bravery yeah, so eight or nine as well. It's two wounds apiece, so, uh, four up save with bravery eight or bravery nine, even if I throw them away from the um from the blood secretor, they don't seem to run too far. Yeah two, not yeah. Only two
0: wounds apiece. Oh my bad yeah. Um so they are sort of very fairly resilient. Um and you know so Effectively, what you do is you just buff them up and then throw them. And then you've got another unit that can do the same as well. So you've got the sort of alpha beta stroke. And then you've also got 30 bloodletters running around on the board as well. Who, if you ignore, will get up and, and you grill and sort of, you know, give you a bad time. Um, so that's what I like about your army is that there's sort of sustainable waves of damage coming to you. Um, the only downside is that, um, your sort of heroes are sort of huddled in the corners to get together or behind some line of sight blocking scenery, sort of hitting oh, yeah, each other on the back and then motivating the boys and throwing them across the board. So once you guys have gone across the board, they're sort of so far away from the heroes that it's um they're, you know, once they're they've done their trick, it's it's sort of a one and done, but the fact that you have two of those units plus some other pretty handy units in there as well also makes that sort of combo a bit more sustainable. Yeah, they all they
1: all kind of hide at the back of the board and high five and hold hands and stuff until um until the later game comes out and uh the blood leaders can do their thing and the daughter corn on Juggernaut is he's an absolute steal in a corn army. Um he could he can rip some face in combat yeah, too, which is, people don't people don't expect. Um also Yeah. yeah, he's yeah 140, 140 points and he's he's incredibly tanky, especially with War Shrine around. Um yeah. So yeah
0: He's got a base three up save, is it? And he's got a mortal wound save and a
1: fuck up yeah, spell save like, or something along those lines. Yeah, it's so a three up, four up, six up against um, yeah. Zench. We see quite a lot of Zench in in New Zealand, so something that a, an important piece like him um, that can sort of just ignore them, no matter where he's put, is pretty it's pretty handy.
0: Yeah, and he's seven wounds yeah. on the juggernaut, isn't he? With probably about like a ten inch move. Or yeah, eight really wounds hard? and an eight inch move, so
1: very corny. So especially for um,
0: but at points value as well. Um, I think he's I think he's well worth it, and his command ability plays a big role in the Chosen. Which his command ability is yeah, a so plus um, one to he wound? can pick up to right? three
1: units. Um, so it's not just one unit, and you add yeah. one to their wound rolls for uh for that charge. So um,
0: which is yeah, which is crazy because you just don't see pluses to wound out there. And from what I know about Chaos, which is not you know a huge amount, but a lot of the abilities. Um, are procking on the wound rolls and not the hit rolls, um, such as the chosen. So those, as you said, those mortal wounds, um, instead of hitting on, uh, sorry, wound, procking on a wound roll of a six, it's procking on a wound roll of a five, which is pretty awesome. It's, yeah. No, I think your list will, will do quite well. It takes people by surprise. And, um, and it's cool because it's something that you don't see out uh, in the meta or you don't sort of hear about on the internet. So, um, as you said, making use of, Units that sort of fly under the radar, um, you know, doing something that's original, that you've been done by yourself, I think I think mean, that's really cool. But, um, players also appreciate that as well. Even if it does just sort of fly across the board, <laughs> I, <try to> <laughs> <laughs> I, I think people prefer sort of an original sort of quirky list as opposed to a check me out with my Skyfires or, you know, insert Ins- whatever. Insert Star Drake list here. Yeah, yeah, or insert sort of current and yeah, rage, yeah. whatever whatever it may be. Yeah. Um. So my list. Um. So Stormcast, as I've sort of alluded to. Um. I've got Lord Castellan on Dracoff. Um. He's got staunch defender. Don't leave home without it. Um. Because I have a feeling. Um. Come, new Stormcast battle time following AOS two. Which is bound to happen in the next sort of, the Stormcast battle time is pretty bound to happen in the next month or two. So. Um, I, I would, oh, expect please do it. Might it. Be removed. Um,
1: please give you guys another option. Yeah. Other than I mean, command trait. Don't even look at it. It's, <laughs> it's fucking staunch defender. Yeah. Well, they need
0: to rejig somebody of other, um, command traits because there's another command trait in, in there. Um, I know there's, there's actually <laughs> six of them. You just don't hear about them because it's staunch defender. Um, one of the other command traits is that if your general's alive, then another general on the board can use their command ability. So come AOS 2, that's obviously redundant because everyone can use their command abilities. So um, I would say they'd probably change up the traits and they'll probably remove staunch defender, uh, maybe make it a reroll save rolls of 1 or something. I'm not entirely sure, which with Stormcast is kind of a bit stink because everything as a shield has a reroll 1 anyway, which is like 90% of the army. Um. But anywho, that's that's enough speculation. So, Staunch Defender, why can't um, I? mean, I've got Armor of Sig- Silver Sigmarite, which is minus one to hit in combat. So, it's not a mirror shield. Um, the reason for that was sort of what I was alluding to earlier, whereas you, you sort of know your local meta. I've, I've ran mirror shield for every event since the Stormcast book's been out. Um, so, maybe about seven or eight events. And um, I've never once come up against a heavy gun line, I think. Worst I've seen was actually playing you, Sean, at Valleycon, and you had two yeah, s- yeah, two skull, skull cannons that Is murder has, skull yeah. Cannon? yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it's more often than not, it's it's not even applicable. Um, and as long as it isn't mortal wound shooting, you know, with staunch so defender, he's got a of two up, really, one saves. Um, so, I figured I could rely on his resilience at range and make him a bit more resilient in combat, given the amount of combat armies around. So and um, then I've got a Lord Castellan for the plus one uh, lantern buff or burn chaos but you know it's, it's mainly a uh, Knight Heralder so I can run and charge and shoot pieces of terrain uh, and I've got two Lord Relictors both of Lightning Chariots um, the reason for Lightning Chariots is you know movement is the most key stat in this game uh, it's a movement meta um, Lightning Chariot also sort of affords you Uh, allows you to make a mistake with your deployment or throughout the game and it sort of gets you out of jail free where um, you might have misdeployed something or you might have left a unit somewhere else or your opponent might leave you an opening um, with a really sort of critical hero out in the open and you might go, shit, if I can do sort of four or five wounds to that guy and kill him you know, being a hero on foot um, then that might change the game and then you can sort of in my case, sort of, throat adjudicators out there. Um, but in saying that, that's sort of one of the things that they use for, but normally what I try to do with my Relictors is just lightning chariot them up the board into a piece of train, and then I try lightning to my opponent to make them minus one to hit, which is kind of a theme with my army. Um, so, both Relictors, you know, I can chuck on a unit of, of say, Sean's Chosen, or, say, a Stonehorn, um, or whatever else we'll see, um, and make him minus, minus two to hit. If if I can roll four free ups and a roll that is, which is not bad. It goes off more often than not, um, which is quite surprising. Uh, then for my battle line, I've got uh, five units of Judicators times three um, because Judicators awesome. We play in a very Chaos-heavy meta as well, uh, re-rolling ones to hit against Chaos, the consistent damage. Uh, nothing wrong with Liberators. It's just... I find liberators a bit of a tax because all I normally let them do is sort of sit around and hold objectives. Um, and for a hundred points, you can find units that are cheaper just to sit around and hold objectives. So why GDKs can't fight in combat? They can definitely, um, hunt heroes with, you know, their 29 effective, uh, threat range with a five inch move and a 24 inch shot. Um, or I can. Moving around with lightning chariot to try to snipe off heroes um, against chaos they're good at fitting down the hordes. you know they have brand a lot of chaos demons don't have good armor saves um so on so they're just they're just a really good unit um then i have a unit of four fulminators, um in one unit uh traditionally i run them in two units of two uh so there's pros and cons to having a bigger unit Obviously, having a bigger unit means that your buffs are more, um, they're far more effective. So if I'm giving them plus one to save, I'm, I'm giving it to four guys instead of two. Um, so that's obviously a pro. If I'm taking Damned Terrain, um, then that's affecting the one unit of four. Um, I do often take Damned Terrain. I can heal with my Relictors if I'm not casting Lightning Storm, so it's not a big risk. Um, especially early game when I'm not in a chance to kill one of my formulators. Um, but in saying that, the downside of having a big sort of tanky unit that in this case is 480 points is that smart opponents like my friend Sean here uh, just runs away from him. And it's really fucking frustrating because you've got this sort of this unit running around the board, um, which is the main punch of this list. The main combat punch it is. Obviously, the adjudicators will sort of weigh you down. Um, but if you have... It's, it's the same as what I find with silver players when they used to run sort of six hunters with Scythe, is that a smart opponent would go, that's a deadly unit, I'm a slow to fuck away from that, um, and they would otherwise feed them crap units and say that, look, you can kill my 10 skanks, but I really don't care, because you're not killing my four, four Um, You know, or they just run away from... They just spend the game running away, and... Effectively, you've got this really awesome unit, which costs a lot of points, which can't get into combat, can't do what it needs to do. Um, so retreating and getting your opponent to chase you around the board is, um, it's really good. Um, so four Forminators, as I said, and they've got two tempestors, which I think are hugely underrated and Fly Under the radar because everyone likes formators. Um, I would take more, but I only own two tempestors. Um, I wanted to buy some more, but then they released AOS 2 and, I like probably a lot of people are sort of not wanting to commit to any big sort of purchases of anything until AOS 2 drops. Plus, Stormcast is getting a whole new chamber and a new book and the rest of it. Um, so my, my wallet's going to take a hammering as it is. So yeah. Um, especially in New Zealand where we pay about 19 <laughs> times as much as anyone else. You think the fucking, you think that, you think the Aussies have a bad, well, duck on another 15 or so dollars for what the Aussies pay and then that's what we pay in New Zealand. And our dollar isn't that much different as well. So um, hashtag cry for New Zealand. That's that's what we'll start. Um, and the two Tempesters, what they do is, um, like the Lord of Electors, uh, they have a ranged, um, it's not an ability, it's a range attack with their crossbows. As long as the whole unit uh, shoots uh, one unit, so the two Tempesters shoot one unit, uh, regardless of hitting or wounding, uh, that unit is now a minus one to hit because Poster Boys. Um, so what it effectively means is I have three separate units in the army that can put minus one to hit on, um, and then if you're in combat with my general, you're also a minus to hit. Uh, so at worst case scenario, minus four to hit. So it's a sort of defensive sort of survivability build, I guess you would say. Um, the Tempesters I've used them a few times. They're good. That minus one to hit buff is just pretty awesome. Um, they're not too bad in combat, and they're survivable. Um... Unless I'm playing Mortal Wounds, but you know, there's not a lot of armies that just survive Mortal Wounds. Um And then I've got a Griffhound because I had 40 points left over, and I didn't want to sort of um, sub out adjudicator units and replace them with liberators to, to put more, you know, to put like to save myself 100 points in. Um, so I'm using a Griffhound. I've only used them a couple of times. Um, I don't think much of them, in all honesty. Um It's more just something I can leave it back at the board and and make people um, like Sean, like Nef, um, like Scryer, if any Scryer come, um, you know, think twice about sort of just popping up, um, just sort of push them a few inches back, because that's effectively what they'll do. They'll just go, okay, I'll deploy outside of 10 inches, and you're like, yep, cool. Um, and then I've got three units of 10 skinks, um, and the skinks, sort of, as I alluded to earlier, their role is just to sit on objectives. Um, or to go get opponent's objectives. Uh, they move eight inches, which is fantastic. Um, they retreat in combat phase. Um, assuming you don't kill them all first because they're not overly survivable. Uh, for 60 points, they are still, and I suspect that will change, um, with the new edition being released soon. They, I, I don't know if they'll change them from an order battle line to a Seraphon battle line. It doesn't affect my army because they're allies. Um, but effectively what they are is, they are the cheapest units that can sit on a jet an objective in my deployment when the rest of my army can push forward and go do what it needs to do. Um and it just sort of adds the bodies. Um so my army is there's no battalions, so there's about ninety seven drops, um, which I'm not too not too worried about given the sort of quirky nature of the scenarios we have. Um and also with that one scenario where we uh, you just roll off and the roll sort of determines, um, who has the first turn. Um, and you deploy your army all at once. So that's more or less my army. Um, it's the idea is to sort of debuff people through their electors and then make them fight this, fight their way out of a wet paper bag. Um, once I get them in combat, ideally sort of alpha charge them with the fulminators. Uh, fulminators can run and charge when they need a heralder, which they will be. Uh, they'll likely have to two up rerolling one saves. Gasoline buff. Um, and then, uh, the Judicators will sort of just pick off the support units as needed. Um, or they will, um, shoot whatever the, whatever the formulators are about to charge or on the next turn. Um, following that, the sort of beta strike would be to Lord Kessel on a Dracoff. It was actually surprisingly fighty, um, in combat. You know, he gets different extra attacks on the charge. Uh, he hits on, hits threes and then wins on twos is in one D3 damage, so it's three attacks base, so you can get up to six attacks, and then Dracoff off can also um, can also do uh, damage in combat, especially if you're rolling those sixes. But the idea is that sort of formulators go in to a unit that isn't very good in combat um, because they've ideally debuffed their hit rolls. Um, so it might be a unit of brutes or something like that, um, which will get reroll saves, but as uh, rerolls apply um, for modifiers, um, the idea would be to sort of get him to like a minus one, minus two, so those rerolls become, you know, less useful. Um, and have the, the formulators charge in and then hopefully clear them off and then have the Lord Andreykov just in behind him so it gives him um staunch Defender and then the next turn the, the Lord, Celestin Andreykov would go in and clean up the unit or would go into a sort of more forward position and then have the along with uh, so that's really it, the, the list will get smashed by mortal wounds um, it will get smashed if a unit can turn one charge me that is very combat intensive before I have a chance to get my buffs up and debuffs on my opponent um, the ways around that if I do think I'm in that sort of situation would be just a screen with my skanks because as I said there yeah, are 180 points in total 30 wounds, 30 bodies to, to throw away or stand up objectives. Uh, so that's more or less the idea around my army. I don't know how it's going to go. We haven't seen any other lists yet. The list for uh, the event are in and should be released in the coming days, from what I understand. But I expect to see quite a lot of sort of combat armies, um, given we know who's going. Um, I just don't know exactly which armies
1: we'll see. Yeah, yeah sort of a ramble by me. I think you'll um I, mean, the, I think you'll do pretty well. Um really with all those uh negatives to hit and um all the scenarios scoring so late. It's it's, it's what you're really playing for and um the list is really actually quite well yeah. written around the pack. Um apart from that um only really that one scenario where twenty plus can, can score is the only thing that could um Ups, upset your Stormcast list, but that's kind of just the nature yeah, of the game yeah. Stormcast, isn't it? Yeah, but then it
0: sort of comes down to me as a player on the table to recognise that that 20 units sort of trumps, and to deal with it before it becomes an issue. I mean, I don't expect many hordes to come. I mean, Cameron's coming uh, who we mentioned in the who, last game he had 60 skinks at uh like 350
1: fucking um, skinks and for the v- Nikon ready to go. And- yeah, yeah, well that's like... <laughs> Because
0: suddenly he just be like playing with his dick on top of I the bale loving it. Oh, uh, He'll just sort of get up off on that bale wind and start <laughs> that big old dick around them skinks' faces. The skinks will just be like, oh shit, son. Um, but yeah, no, skinks are, skinks are great. But So I don't expect to see too many hordes. Um, I know Aiden is coming. Aiden is a uh, long-time local Pestilence player. Um, which has been sort of off in the wilderness recently. I haven't seen him at any. I don't think we've seen him at any events. In the uh, era, yeah, masters. Yeah, and he's he masters. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he's had a bunch of. Um, I know he's changed jobs and he's had real life going on. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what he runs. But I think the last time I played Aiden, um, he just sort of blew my mind with his, um, MSU pestilent style ratlins, where it was like. Eight units of ten plague monks or something like that. And then he's got some stupid prayer or ability that he uses once per game that every unit within. I don't exactly know how it works. I'm sort of butchering this. So if you know how it works, Sean, please jump in. Um, but it works around having lots of small units it's around like a six on the wound work. roll or
1: something in it. Without six on meta. the wound roll does mortal wounds in addition or something once per game. I think that might be it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah, it's,
1: it's, there's something.
0: Is something that he does, um, so that might be another horde army if he doesn't sort of play what I've just described. He might just go to some sort of standard. Here's 200 rats, let's have a fun game. <laughs> um, and Joel's running Diff, I believe. Legion Sacrament, um, is what he ran yesterday um, at Vanguard, so um, he might have a couple of big blocks of skeletons. I'm not entirely sure. Um, who else is going Lee and Brendan with Silver Nef. um. Yeah, they're not a very horde-heavy army. One big block of triads is probably what you'd see out of Uh, both of those
1: boys, I I can assume.
0: Yeah. yeah, 130 unit or so seems to be what they like to do. Um, And normally, they I believe they normally both run combat hunters as well, not bow hunters. I think at 220 points, sort of, it says they've been reduced, according to one of the articles recently. I think 220 points for those bows is not worth it, whereas I think for those scythes or swords, you could possibly make a sort of argument. Um, or do I expect them to go to a, down to about 200 points now? Um, who else is going? So, Seth mentioned earlier, he has Beast Claw Raider Army, I think it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's Beast Claw Raiders.
1: Um, Mixed it with Iron Jaws from that, uh, the battalion, lets them put the Iron Jaws in
0: there. Yeah. Oh, the old Gore Grunters, though. Eh? That's pretty good. Um, so. Cameron's coming up with Seraphon. Fraser's coming. Um, I think he'll be running Magic of Nurgle because that's what he ran last time. Um, I played him last time and that army sort of, um, did my head in because Fraser, uh, wasn't there to fuck spiders and he knew exactly what to do against my Stormcast army, which is just, um, I keep resetting the clock to, to do like D3 mortal wounds to D3 units and then my brother a spell. Pretty much, he just instantly killed, uh, my, I think all my heroes were dead by turn two or three, which is how you beat Stormcast. So if you can pick them off that range of mortal wounds, especially ones that don't need line of sight with the Allegiance ability. The, um,
1: yeah, so he killed my heroes. The 15 knights sort of he runs apart. to is, it's, it's a, it's a bus you, you're trying to get rid of. Uh, no, he yeah, hasn't been play running Plague touch, 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 no. Or uh, is it just- and, and Rodigus and a Shrine? It gets those, those knights buffed to, to all hell, and then um, are sort of stuck yeah. there. Like, do I deal with the heroes? Do I deal with fifteen knights in my face?
0: Yeah, and they take up so much space on the board as well, and they're all pretty resilient with their what is it, three three wounds? And then yeah, that's give the them one. An extra wound with the spell, and then and they're like a four up save and a five up magic save or something. And they, I mean, they do a little bit of damage on the charge. Um, but other than that, they don't do a whole lot of damage. Um, so it's just a frustrating unit, because when we played, um, he just sort of turned one, parked him in my face, and I sort of killed him by the end of the game, but then he tabled me, because he had a gotkin running around um, doing what the Gotkin does when he gets into combat. And um, Rodicus was just sort of sitting behind some building, just having a good old laugh. Um, yeah, so Fraser will probably be bringing his uh, Jesse the man who just won uh, the event yesterday. Yeah. Don't, does he have enough Scryer? Yeah, he's got them, like he nine Storm fight? Fiends
1: or something. He'll be bringing the, um. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's bringing the sky, Scryer. He'll be bringing the, um, the Clan Scryer Battalion with the Deep Striking Storm Fiends, similar to what, Julian? Um, run at Masters, that, that sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Oh, yeah.
0: So here I'm saying yeah. that we don't have a shooting meta in New Zealand. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got, the scryer, and, and obviously Julian, the New Zealand Master from last year, and the scryer
1: list, which was just to pop up and shoot you on the base. I the can s- yeah. see Stormcast having so- quite a hard time against a list like that that doesn't even have to roll to hit. You just roll and say, you take this many mortal wounds from my Storm Fiends and good luck. Uh, with no real defense against it, it's not going to be handy.
0: Yeah, and that, well, absolutely, and if I'm playing Jesse, and depending on the matchup, because these deployments are pretty funky, I mean, what I would think about doing is just completely splitting up my army so that as soon as you are, my army would be gone, but make him sort of pick a unit to come up and destroy. And he will. He'll come up and he'll destroy it. And just accepting that that loss is going to happen. But then my army spread out and his stuff's on the board and his Storm Storm Fiends. Not Storm Um, Yeah, Storm Fiends. Thank you. Um, Once they're on the board, they're really slow. Um, and their fret range... Yeah, they're easy to just back up away numbers. from. Uh, and 06 and, yeah, so it's sort of spreading it out, except that you're going to lose a unit um, or two, depending on turn order and stuff like that. Um, and that's probably going to be your best unit, inevitably. Um, but just spreading them out and trying to minimise the loss. Or maybe, I don't know, casting up. I don't think that will really work. Especially if he does it in a way where he can get two turns in a row because everything's in range and he just melts you with warp blade. Um, and then we've got uh, Maddie Watkins, um, formerly of the UK, now of Strathmore and Wellington. <laughs> Maddie's one of my regular opponents. Uh, we play quite often um, midweek. Hammer beers and beers and cigarettes and in um, Warhammer. That's that's normally what we do. Um. He has been running, so he came over uh, two years ago now, I think it was a year and a half maybe, uh, with his Destruction Army, which was really cool. Um, destruction is not in the best place, however, and he's sort of playing zinch. Um, mainly because of the models, not, and he's never traditionally run like lots of Skyfires. He he was way ahead of the curve on the whole horror splitting as well, um, where the internet sort of only realized this after sort of the General but 2 or 2017. Um, he's been running horror bombs for forever and it's just so frustrating that you kill a unit and then at the end of the phase it's there again and you're just like oh god um but he I believe he's running and again I haven't seen list uh destruction list which he's been playing around with recently because destruction is, is one true love um and he's got I think like a thunder tusk in it and he's got a troll hag in it and he's got brutes in it so it's truly a mix of sort of all areas of destruction He's got some grots in it too. I think he's even got some yetis for their pylon ability. They're a bit of a glass cannon, those yetis, but he's got quite a few other threats in his army that you want to immediately deal with. And then the yetis are sort of sneaky good because there's lots of attacks and they do two damage. Um, So, you know, you're like, I need to get, I need to hurt the thunder tusk so it's not doing straight d6 mortal wounds. Or I need to deal with the troll hag because. And when you deal with the troll hag, you have to kill it like in, in one go. You can't just sort of pop a couple of wounds on it and then move on, uh, because it heals and it, it its profile doesn't degrade that much from what I understand. Um, but then you've got ten brutes coming at you as well, slowly, you know, across the board. But with some of these missions where you get buffs and moves and short deployment zones, um, so he's got a lot of frit pieces in his army, and it's quite hard to prioritize and where you. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what other people think and, and how people find them. Um, you know, I think I don't, and then Matt's coming as well. Matt B. Um, I don't know what he's running. If he's running some mixed destruction, magma Drops or if he's magma dragon. Sorry. Um,
1: some running Corn. Death by the sounds of it.
0: I think next. I don't.
1: I don't know if he's pulling my leg. Um, On oh, death. The other night, but it sounds like it's four. Uh, four vampire lords and zombie dragon, and a couple die um, so, yeah, uh-huh. one of them is War Dry, like, and the other like, three ones. are just um, Vampire Lords and Zombie Dragon. So, on that contingent one, it'll be a nightmare if that's what he oh, actually does. Yeah, because he can just drop down, what, three Zombie Dragons at once and go, What's up, yep. bro? Here's it's... <laughs> it's 1300, <laughs>
0: 1,300 much, points right. in my army.
1: Yeah, yeah, and
0: Matt's traditionally been um, a big death player. Um, I know he's got like 10,000 points or something at home, it's crazy. Um, no, all of it's pretty of course. None of it painted, though, of course, or very little of it painted, because yeah, that's, that's how Matt rolls. Um, you know, he's hashtag anti-meta <laughs> by, by having non-painted armies. Um, doesn't conform. Um, so, yeah, he's got a few armies to, to play from. Nick, I think, has Iron Jaws, and Steph we've talked about and we've talked about our armies. Um, so it's a rather sort of combat meta, so I mean, as I was talking about when I built my list, I sort of took into account sort of, I need a unit that's going to be um, capable of lasting in combat, a unit that's going to be good in combat. And then also if I'm in fighting in combat for a sustained period of time, how do I make my units more survivable? So that's where the sort of debuffs come in. It's kind of like Skyborne Slayers. Uh, it's still a valid battalion in formation, but it has two issues. And those two issues are that when the formation comes down with the paladin, uh, the Paladins are pretty paper. Um, they're three wounds apiece. They have a four up save, which people go, oh, four up save, that's pretty good. But in Stormcast language, that's pretty shit. Um, and, um, and it's slow. It's very slow. Once it's down on the board, it's So um, you need to come down and you need to block the unit you're in combat with. Because um, if you don't, they'll probably smack you back. Um, it'll probably hurt quite a bit. Um, that's assuming that you make the charge. Um, or you come down, you blob the unit, and then your opponent goes, cool, your whole army's on the board. Your whole army relies on 20 paladins right here. I'm just going to stay away from them because they move 4 inches a turn, and then you charge 2d6, so your max threat range is 16 inches. And realistically, it's more like a max threat range, movement threat range of like 10 to 11 inches with the sort of average charge roll." Um, so that's the issue with the Skyborne Slayer. So a way around that issue would be running some like 10 guesses there. So, um, you can debuff the opponent's hit rolls and make them a bit more survivable because when they drop, it's a movement phase, it's not hero so phase. You can't apply the lantern. Buff. Um, but yeah, sorry, that was just a side, side tangent about shit, I guess. Um, I kind not of really remember what got me onto that. Um, but otherwise it's pretty much all the topics that we wanted to cover for this first. <laughs> it's pretty considerable that know how energy <laughs> oh, goes and... too awkward awkward-ass <laughs> guys <laughs> on the bike. Oh, yeah, <laughs> these fucking guys with their odd accent and talk about better that no one cares about. I don't know. I mean second best podcast in New Zealand. Yeah, we'll take um, it. We can officially claim that title behind Mr. Shorts. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll um, maybe we'll throw down a, a podcast. Challenge or battle, uh, when we see Mr. Shorts next and see if um, we can take the crown from him, which I, I doubt because that guy has turned this into a full-time job and done really well with it. Um, so yeah, I think that's about all the topics we wanted to cover. Um, AOS 2, um, don't really think there's much point talking about it. Uh, we're still getting information in drips and drabs. Uh, they released new spells today. We, the, can't remember what the term is they use or what the official title dispels have, but they come out onto the board and they stay there until they're dispelled. And you can push them around if you are going second in the battle round up to sort of six or nine inches, I think it is. Um, and they gave it and us the Bailwind Change, else,
1: um, which the quite... wind Change is huge, yeah, there's yeah, no the way they can change. possibly and, um, make it better, um, so it can only be on a nerf. Fingers crossed, <laughs> <laughs> you say that.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Be like, hey, because it's, it's free. just summoning. Because
0: uh, <laughs> it's just bell awkward and smoke. Yeah, and it's summoning, so it doesn't cost reinforcement points. Uh, Yolo, you know. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think the bellwind adds too much to the game. But um, well, it does it adds too much? I guess is the point, and it becomes such an auto include and in essentialist. It's like you know, essentially allegiance ability is, is not having to roll dice and getting a bail free. It's a bit silly. Um, but yeah, um, otherwise I think that's about it. Um, for upcoming shows, as we said, we've got, so we're recording this on a Sunday. Uh, I've never edited a podcast before. I'm going to have a crack at it and it might be awful and it might take me ages. Um, so the intent is to have the show out before the event. People can have a listen along, get excited, ask questions, and, um, and go from there. Uh, we'll probably do a post-Nikon show um, as well in the week or so following, depending on how our schedules go, sort of recap the list that we saw, the missions, what we thought about it, um, how we went, and probably by that point in time, so this week, early June, by that point in time, we might have a release date for AOS 2, as it's rumored to be out, I think, on the 9th or the 30th seems to be the two dates that the internet is talking about um we might look to talk about more about ios 2 then but there's many other outlets covering ios 2 at the moment um and i think you know we can't really add much to the conversation at this point in time unless unless sean you think you've found some sort of quirky little rule that um maybe the internet i don't think has so not yet. Sort, or, i mean i guess we can talk about
1: what we want to um, see change yeah i'm or, quite interested to see normal. how on um... How things change, especially with a bit of stacking here and there. Um, but we'll see. I'm not really off the foot, off the gas. I'm going balls deep into Daughters of Cain still, even with this, uh, this AOS 2 release. So um, we'll see what happens. I think we'll be right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm
0: really surprised to see that some of the spells and abilities that we have seen leaked, um, well, not leaked because they're coming from the company. Um, released um, don't have the wholly within rule, because given the narrative of the Iden F. Deepkin book where everything was wholly within a unit, um, I figured that might have been a way that we were moving, and that way there was going to be a lot more sort of adding on top of the table, people thinking about positioning, how they have units, and they're not sort of stringing out units, daisy chaining, that's the term I was looking for, uh, to make the you game. Know, play but that doesn't seem to be the case which is
1: i think it's uh, yeah it's probably just a balanced perspective really um so you have to be wholly within for cell Um, if i could daisy chain my chosen 15 inches and pick the whole unit up that might be a bit shit but daisy chaining back to a blood crate is probably not as bad you know if it was just 18 inches then you wouldn't be able to fight out of your own deployment really yeah yeah, exactly and I'm, i'm sort of thinking about um
0: you know something else that we mentioned earlier, storage defender, which I assume is going or will be changed immensely. You know, of the old Vanguard wing, where you're daily checking um, It's out that way, um, or you see, lots of creative banner or or any other sort of other short area um, area effect abilities or spells that might come off or a hero. Um, but I mean, again, information is coming out in isolation, so I don't think there's enough info at this point in time to like have an informed opinion about what's going on like you just see sort of one thing come out like oh look out surfer heroes and people are just losing their well not collectively but there's a lot of opinions out there so i sort of would rather um wait till we have a wider view of what's happening before um,
1: (sighs) (laughs) just talking shit really at this point (laughs) before you get too hard into it really
0: well, I can, I'm not bad at talking shit, mate, but <laughs> I try to, you know, regulate the amount of shit I do talk. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's sort of who we are lads, what we sort of intend to, to bring to the table in way of podcasting, um, uh, mainly wanting to push, um, the spotlight on the New Zealand scene and wanting to sort of drive and foster the tournament community that's growing within Wellington, wanting to build a bit of a, a scene in a player base, um, like, you know, like you have in the States, in particular the UK. Um, you know, I think it's really cool what's going on over there. And I mean, I just like rolling dice. I like meeting and interacting with people. And, um, and I'm a big fan of having some beers and drinking. So that's obviously another big part of, of what we do. Um, for example, this, this Nikon tournament, we're going away. Uh, um, so we have, we've hired a house, which has about six or seven rooms in there and a bunch of beds. Um, we'll be having go up the Friday, um tournament Saturday, Sunday, so we've we'll got the Friday and we'll probably do like beers and barbecue to Friday and that same thing on the Saturday and then we'll feel awful come Sunday and, and have to drive four hours back after that. That's all right. Uh, it's just the it's just the boys trip away. The the girlfriends think, you know, we're just gonna roll dice, but really we're just gonna go away and have fun and have a good time. Um anywho, so that's that's about it from uh, us at the moment, um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, any feedback would be much appreciated. Um, we don't have a website up and running yet. We don't, uh, we're, we're looking into that sort of stuff as it comes. And, and, you know, we've sort of wanted to keep this pretty informal and casual and more friendly. Um, the best way to, to contact me, uh, big Sean. So fat Sean, you know, I'm like six free and like 110 kilos and little Sean's like, Five eight and one hundred and ten kilos of muscle. <laughs> He's like a bodybuilder. <laughs> so I'm the wargaming stereotype, and little Sean is the complete opposite of the wargaming stereotype. So um, yeah, uh, so the best way to get in contact with me is probably on Twitter. Um, I'm at aos sean eighty nine. Aos sean eighty nine. I'll probably change uh, change my name maybe um, with this podcasting that we're doing. Uh, get in touch. Give me feedback or don't me if it works or it doesn't um i want you guys to enjoy it i want to sort of run a podcast um i think we both collectively want to run a podcast that we'd like to listen to um sort of replicating what some of the lads do overseas um, taking bits that we like and leaving bits that we don't and going from there really um so otherwise that's that's really it from me oh, no, you go, hopefully to, to yeah. add, mate? <laughs> hopefully it went all right <laughs> I hope they don't butcher it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll find out, you know. I like, might just look at editing and just go, like, nah, fuck that noise. This is no, never I'm coming out to and no one will ever know. Um Oh so we'll, we'll have to have a listen back. Maybe I'll just send it to Mr. Shorts and say, Can you can you take, you know,
1: <laughs> Polish shit? is dead for me. <laughs> 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 can
0: you get your secretary Yeah, can you get your secretary odds out or something? I, I don't know. Um, but otherwise, so that's it for us, lads. Um, and we'll be back, um, in a week or two, uh, probably a couple of weeks, um, hopefully with a post Nikon wrap up. Uh, we might get one of the other guys on, depending on how it goes. Um, you know, that would be, that would be good fun. And, uh, we'll probably know, we'll not, we'll definitely know far more about AOS 2 uh, between now and a couple of weeks, but we might even have a release date. So if AOS 2 happens to drop in two weeks time, um, we might not do it post Nikon we'll see what happens and we will go from there um anyway guys that's it from us so bye thanks for listening